Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church. Here with you taking your calls and texts live on the air today. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life. If you have a prayer request, we'd love to talk with you and hopefully answer some of those questions, and we'd love to pray for you. So give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line, 720-336-0897. We want to welcome all of you who are tuning in, wherever you're tuning in from today. We know that uh, so many of you listen to our program live here in Colorado and in southern Wyoming on Grace FM. Uh, We are broadcasting live from uh, basically from Cheyenne all the way down to Pueblo, Colorado, along the Front Range. So if you're listening today on Grace FM, welcome to the program. So glad that you tuned in. We also want to welcome those of you who are listening on our syndicated stations. So just amazing how God has uh, blessed this show and caused it to grow and uh, be picked up in other places. And so we get so many callers from our syndicated stations as well. So we just want to welcome those of you listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in uh, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Maryland. We are also syndicated on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. So welcome to you as well. Just a reminder that those of you listening on the East Coast in the area around Tennessee, you're hearing the program on a one-week delay, which means that you get to call in, and then a week later you get to tune in and you get to listen to yourself on the radio, which is cool. So we also want to remind you that you can listen at any time live to Grace FM, including this show, but also many others, on our mobile app and on our website. So you want, uh, you're going to want to grab your phone or your tablet, just go to your app store, or Google Play, and you're going to go to uh, the search bar, just type in Grace FM, and it's going to come right up, and you'll be able to download that app, and then you'll be able to listen wherever you are in this country or, or in the world, and you can listen to the show. Uh, we know that we have so many people who do listen out of state. In fact, I, I was talking to someone just recently who listens from uh, another state, and so I know that there are a lot of people who do that using the mobile app and, and through the website as well. So you can just go to gracefm.com, and you can click the Listen Live button. And we encourage you to share that uh, with other people. Maybe there are other people who you know who would benefit from the program. And we just think we have a great thing going here. And we're so glad for those of you who listen. We'd love to open up to more people. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. As we're waiting for those calls to come in, we have, uh, I just want to give you some information on who I am and uh, what I do. I'm the host every Monday here on Calvary Live. My name is Pastor Nick Cady, and I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. We are right in downtown Longmont. So if you know Longmont at all, uh, we are one block west of Main Street, 
on Long's Peak Avenue, which is really one of the main streets downtown. So we are right on Roosevelt Park. We're right on the corner of Roosevelt Park in the St. Vrain Memorial Building, which is at 700 Long's Peak Avenue. So we're right on the northwest corner of Long's Peak Avenue and Kaufman Street. So Long's Peak and Kaufman on the northwest corner, just on the edge of Roosevelt Park, uh, near the, the big uh, bus station park and ride right there, and um, one block west of Maine. We'd love for you to come and visit us, or if you know people in Longmont, maybe you have friends or family who live in the area, even if you don't, we'd love for you to come our way or send them our way. We'd love to worship with them, be able to connect with them in teaching and, and worship. Children's ministry, of a great children's ministry, great worship ministry. And uh, we love studying the Bible. We love studying verse by verse through passages of the Bible. Uh, currently, we are doing a series called Remember the Prophets, which is one that I've, I've kind of wanted to do something on the prophets for a long time um, because I've, I've learned so much from studying the prophetic books. Um, we've done some classes here at our school of ministry about the prophets. But um, what we're doing this time, I got, I got uh, a conversation I had just at a pastor's retreat a few months ago. And this guy described what he was doing with the prophets. I thought, man, that is exactly the approach that, that I've been thinking of doing, but just not knowing how to formulate it. And so the idea is based off of James chapter 5, verse 10, which says, remember the prophets and see them as examples of endurance in the face of suffering. And so that's the whole idea is that we're taking kind of a, a quick look at some of these prophetic books. So we do kind of a summary of the book, but then we focus most of our time on, I guess you would call it like a biographical uh, study of that prophet. So this past Sunday we studied Isaiah and we focused like, what do we know? Not just about what Isaiah taught, like we'll talk about that too in, in broad strokes, but then we'll dial in on like, who was Isaiah and how is he an example for us uh, as James 5.10 says. And so we looked at, for example, we looked at Isaiah and we talked about Isaiah's uh, vision of God that he had in chapter 6 where he talks about his calling to ministry and this vision of God that he had. We saw God on a throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple and there were these, cher these seraphim actually who were, who were praising God and their praise was so powerful that it was shaking the doorposts of the temple and he said, you know, he just filled with this conviction that God is holy and he has fallen short, that he's a sinful man, he's unholy. But then it didn't stay there. Like God reached out to him, touched his lips with this hot coal. And in this vision, he got atoned for his sins and cleansed him of his guilt. And man, the whole thing is just a picture of the gospel and what you and I also need to experience. We need to experience a vision of God. We need to experience that transforming touch of receiving God's grace and mercy and forgiveness. And then the, the coolest part is that it wasn't, that's not where the story ends. But then the next verse he says, God says that, God is asking a question, who will go? Whom can I send? And Isaiah sticks his hand up and says, here I am, Lord, send me. And that's also part of the part of what it means to be a Christian. It means to be to, to see, get a glimpse of who God is and then understand in light of that who you are. And then not only be cleansed and forgiven, but to be sent out on mission with God. Just such an exciting passage and so encouraging. Uh, this next week, we're going to be studying the prophet Habakkuk, which was one where I was making my list ahead of time of all the prophets that I wanted to study in Habakkuk. I was like, man, I don't know if there's enough in there uh, for an entire study, but this today as I've been preparing for Sunday, man, there is so much in there. I got to tell you, 
Uh, there is uh, so much as we're going to talk about Habakkuk this Sunday. Uh, and it regards this question that many of us struggle with, like where is God when it comes to uh, things that are difficult to understand? Like where is God when it seems that there's injustice in the world? Where is God when we pray and maybe our prayers aren't answered? That's actually exactly what Habakkuk deals with. It's about, you might call it faith in the dark. Like when you know, it doesn't make sense. How do you still have faith? And there's this incredible passage. And I'll read you this and then we'll go to our callers. But here's what Habakkuk says in Habakkuk chapter 3. This is kind of his big conclusion after struggling and wrestling through his struggles with faith and trusting God because it seems like everything's chaotic and falling apart. But he, he comes to this point of trusting God as he thinks about who God is. And then he says in Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 17, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vine, the produce of the olive fails, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation, because God is my strength, and he makes my feet like the deer's to tread on high places. This is so incredible. What he's saying is, you know, basically what he's describing is an economic downturn, right? Like the stock market fails. I lose my job. You know, I lose my house. I lose my cars. Everything falls apart financially. Will I still praise God? He says, yes. I will praise God because he is the God of my salvation and he is my strength. Basically, he's saying, hey, I'm going to worship God not for the things that God gives me, but for who God is in himself. And man, that is such a powerful message for you and me that we need to hear today. So we're going to expound on that and study Habakkuk this coming Sunday. We'd love to have you join us or send somebody our way. Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Our website is whitefieldschurch.com, Sunday morning at 10 a.m., you can join us, uh, whitefieldschurch.com, and uh, you can also hear me here every weekday uh, with our radio program at 2.30 p.m. and then uh, on Grace FM, 2.30 p.m. every day, every weekday, and then Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. if for some reason you can't make it to church on Sunday morning. Let's go to our first caller, Adam in Colorado Springs. Hi, Adam. Hey, how's it going? Going well. Uh, What's up? What an excellent segue into what my question is. Um in that God's recently been calling me to take a reevaluation and a, a deeper look into the, the prophetic um, books. And um, my question derives from Zechariah 3, and um, in verse 9, where somewhat randomly it felt like to me inside my own soul, out of nowhere, the angel of the Lord is rebuking Satan, and then he comes up and says this in verse 9, the, For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua, upon one stone shall be seven eyes. Behold, I'll engrave the engraving thereof, says the Lord of hosts, and I'll remove the inequity of that land in one day. And my question is essentially, like, is this a prophecy that's already taken place? Is it one of those cyclical prophecies that seem to happen in multiple contexts, or is this like an end times thing? I I really have no clue where this came from and what it's pertaining to. Yeah, so you know, I'm, I'm I, I don't have an answer right off t- top of my head, but I do. Uh, I'm just going to say, let let me break it down and see if uh, see if we can come up with something uh, like the real answer. So, Zechariah three, what's going on here, right? So this is a vision of Joshua the high priest, uh, who was the high priest at the time of Zechariah, right? And so. Um, 
let's see, it's the basically what's happening in here is he's reclothed. So so maybe for our listeners' sake, it's a very short chapter. Why don't we just read it and then maybe we can go through it. So he says this, um, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. It is not, uh, is, this, is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. And the angel of the Lord solemnly assured Joshua, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you walk, if you will walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. Hear now, O Joshua, high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, for they are men who are a sign. Behold, I will bring my servant, the branch. For behold, on the stone that I have set before Joshua, on a single stone with seven eyes, I will engrave its inscription, declares the Lord of hosts. I will remove the iniquity of this land in a single day, and in that day, declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor to come under his vine and under his fig tree. Okay, so it seems to me that this is something which has not yet been fulfilled. So this idea of the branch, uh, this refers back to Jeremiah. So uh, God had, had told Jeremiah that uh, none of Jehoiakim's seed would sit on the throne but he promised that there would be a branch, a righteous branch, which is a re reference to the Messiah. So you can also think back to Isaiah chapter 7, chapter 9, where it talks about the righteous branch that will come about. That, that's a reference to the Messiah. So to me, just that alone tells me this is pointing ahead to a future time when not only will the Messiah come, but he will reign. But that, that is interesting. I will remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. Um, you know, that, that seems to be pointing to the cross and the idea that, um, that Jesus, you know, bore our iniquity in a single day, took it away. Absolutely. Yeah. As you were reading that, it almost dawned upon me and, um, it almost sounded like it was speaking of, and correct me if I'm wrong, but almost of a church age, like you guys are filthy and you're presenting yourselves at the throne room, essentially, in some light, and you're uh, adorned and filthy, but I'm going to make you clean, and, you know, you're going to be basically the branch. We're engrafted in the Church of the Living God. Jesus um, is now a part of that vine, mm. and we're adorned in a white vesture, you know, almost like in Revelation where it talks about where, you know, we'll be well, we're washed in the blood, and we have this, like, white gesture that we're given. And so, I don't know, just as you were reading that, it almost dawned on me, like, wow, this is reminiscent of the Church. Yeah. That Satan tries to say, hey, look at this dirty high priest, look at this dirty priest, and, you know, accuse us, and, and he says, go away. This is, have I not chosen them to be my high priests? And um, I'm going to make them clean, and in, even Absolutely. in the presence of you, you're going to see that. 
that's powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that's one of the, the amazing things. I think it's especially true of some of these places in the prophets. And particularly, you know, Zechariah is one, you know, known as one of the most difficult books in the Bible to interpret. And the, the reason is because it's written in apocalyptic language, right? It's one of, you know, Daniel, Zechariah, Revelation. These are kind of our supreme examples of apocalyptic literature in the Bible, which is a genre which is very foreign to us and, and also very difficult to understand. But one of the benefits of it is that sometimes there are, there are kind of multiple ways that you can apply different principles. And so uh, I think that we have to say, okay, this applied. I mean, he's clearly speaking about Israel. He's speaking about the priestly class. He's talking about the Messiah and what the Messiah will do. And he is talking about an age to come when the Messiah will reign as king over the earth. And uh, and yet there is some application, like what you're saying, for, I think, the church, but also for us as individuals, right? That though Satan might uh, be the accuser of the brethren who stands there accusing us, God is the one who cleanses us through that righteous branch who is the Messiah so that we can truly uh, dwell with him and be part, uh, you know, grafted into his uh, his vine, right? The branch and the vine. I think that's a fascinating principle that he says, if you will walk in my ways. And I think for the church of this age, that's very important and poignant to understand is that um, God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I think we get a slack understanding of freedom and think that freedom is an absence of all structure and law, but really it's, you know, we find freedom in the law, and we find freedom, not that we have to adhere to, you know what I mean, some of the Levitical practices necessarily, but I mean, there's order in God's courts, and I think in a church age that we're in right now, I think it's important to know that, you know, Mm -hmm. like if we'll walk in His ways, then absolutely, but if not, and we're double-minded, or we're talking and saying we're Christians or whatever, then we have no advocate, essentially, uh, right. when our life pattern after the King of Kings or the branch, you know. Yeah, yeah, Adam, I mean, you're speaking my language, man. I think that, uh, you know, we always talk, there's two ditches on the side of the road, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a road, and you can imagine two ditches, and we, we want to avoid veering off the road into either ditch. And the one ditch on the one side is the idea of legalism, right? Where we think our whole relationship with God is based on our performance record of how well we keep the law. The other ditch, though, is what's called antinomianism. And antinomianism is where, literally, it means anti-against. Nomianism means against the law, where we, we take such a negative view of any rules or laws that God might give us as if those are the problem, when in fact they're not, as you're saying. And and this is something I, I talked about uh, recently. I was just teaching from Hosea. And, you know, in Hosea, he, he makes this point very clearly that, you know, Gomer, Hosea's wife, who is caught up in adultery, that she she basically ruins herself. She hurts her family. And, and there's this really important principle that um, sin isn't forbidden. I'm sorry, sin isn't bad because it's forbidden. Sin is forbidden because it's bad and that God gives us rules and loves us. Uh, he gives us rules because he loves us, I guess what I'm trying to say. 
And, uh, you know, one of the things that was brought to my attention recently, uh, somebody pointed this out to me, and I thought, wow, I never noticed that, but that's so cool and so, so, so insightful. That if you look at the first words that God ever spoke to man, to Adam, they, they were this, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will die. Now, when the enemy then comes back and, and recites God's words to Adam and Eve, he says this, didn't God say to you, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, two problems there. Number one, he's actually misquoting God. Number two, he's absolutely changing the, the part that he correctly interprets or correctly uh, reiterates. He's changing the emphasis. So whereas God's emphasis was, you are free, and if you do this, basically sin, you will kill your freedom. You will hurt yourself. The enemy comes back, and he totally changes the emphasis. And his, his, what he says is, well, you know, God said, you must not do this. In other words, his emphasis is on the restriction or the prohibition, whereas God's emphasis is on the freedom. And it absolutely changes our way. If we look, if we look at God's laws as being, you know, basically God is like... Uh, somebody up there in heaven who doesn't want anybody to have any fun and he's just grumpy, um, then that absolutely changes our view of God. But if our view of God is that he loves us so much that he tells us how to do things so that we can be happy and joyful uh, and and succeed, then that's a good thing. So anyway, uh, all that to say, Josh, or I think Adam, sorry. Uh, all that to say, you are speaking my language and I, I appreciate your call. Yeah, no problem. I mean, I... oh, I missed you there. All right, God bless you, and uh, thanks for the call. We're going to go to our next caller. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Our next caller, Leslie in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Leslie. Welcome to the program. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah. I just have a couple questions about prayer in my own specific prayer life. Okay. Um. So just a little background, uh, about three years ago, I had pretty severe postpartum depression. Mm. And um, during that time, I feel like um, my prayer life really grew with the Lord, mainly because I was an insomniac and was up for for, for weeks uh, without sleeping. And um, during that time, I really learned um, kind of God's purpose in my struggle and how to um, trust God through it, and through that, I felt His peace, and um, I really, of my of my life, I, I really kind of recommitted my life to Christ, and also developed a relationship with Him, and um, I, that has, that has gone with me since then, um, which is great, but I, I also feel like I have a three-year-old, and he's very busy, and um, I'm also working a full-time working mom, and my husband travels for work, um, so I feel like I haven't gotten um, the time with God that I always want. Um, and um, I do, my prayer life right now looks like, um, so I, I, I just recently um, discovered a, a way to kind of pray throughout the day that works for me, and I don't know if it's right or not, but I set my alarm for different increments throughout the day, and I have different topics that I pray about during that time. Um, so sometimes, a lot of times I'm at work, or sometimes I'm bathing my son or getting dinner ready, but my alarm goes off, and I remember to pray for a couple minutes. Um, and then I also, on Wednesdays—but can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. 
Okay. On Wednesdays, I um, I typically fast um, just one meal that day, and I take Wednesday night, and I um, do some devotions, and I write my prayers in a prayer book. And oftentimes, that fasting is for my marriage. Um, things are good, thank God. They weren't always, in, and that's when I first started fasting and praying, and I really feel the Lord working in my husband and my, my husband's life as well as our marriage, so I've continued yeah. it. Okay. Um, so I read the... Did you have a did you have a question or uh, something in regard to this? Yeah, so I just um I'm just not sure. I just I just sometimes feel like I I feel really connected to God on my Wednesday nights when I can spend um, ample time with Him. I just don't feel like I always with my quick with my quick prayers. Um, I don't always feel like I'm like spending time working on my relationship with God. Um, yeah, I do. I am in the Word pretty much daily, and I also have a women's um, Bible study that I go to weekly, um, but I just am looking for other ways. I think sometimes when I pray quietly, my mind wanders a lot, so that's yeah. why I write it down. I'm just looking yeah. for other uh, recommendations or any advice you might have. Yeah, you know, I think this is these are all good things that you're doing, and I think that that's what people need to do is find ways that they can incorporate this into their life. I think if you set an alarm, that's great, and if you have... Uh, times of doing that i would say um you know I, it gets into an expect it, an area of like what is your expectation of how prayer takes place and what is your expectation for for what you want your prayer time to be like you know i know that as a as a mom with a small child my my wife also you know at home with a 3 year old and i know that it can be difficult you know it can be difficult to find time to read her bible and it can be difficult for her to find time uh to pray in the sense of like taking a time where you're doing nothing else but praying right but you know one, one thing that she has cultivated over time which i'm sure is very helpful not just for uh, her but for anybody who works i mean you think about people who work um, jobs and have families and all these things is this idea of just being able to be in communion or connection with god throughout your day you know so we're, we're in a community group here in our church in longmont and um we were at community group last night and there's one lady who, you know, she drives Uber for a living. That's her job is she drives Uber and Lyft. And she said that every day, that's what she does. She just prays throughout her day as she's driving. If there's someone in the car, she's able to pray silently and connect with the Lord, you know, just about whatever's going on. And, and rather than, you know, getting anxious. So that's a, the whole thing, you know, she'll get anxious. She'll have things that she's thinking about. And she just, as she's on her way throughout the day we'll hand those things over to the lord and be praying so i would just encourage you do do those things i don't see anything wrong with what you're doing any further suggestions i mean i, I guess i could tell you some things that i do um you know i think that i i have a lot of goals and things like that like i, I want to be in the word that's one of my goals and so i uh will do where I use the Bible app on my phone and I'll have it read to me as I'm in the car. I don't think that's a, a replacement for reading the Bible and actually focusing on it at, in a devoted, focused way or, or journaling or whatever, but it's just one more, one more tool in the toolbox, you know, that I can use to get the word into my, uh, my ears and my mind and my heart. And so uh, I just, I just encourage you find find all the ways that you can do don't uh don't be a slave to your system though you know uh, you want to yeah. you don't want to fall into that that uh, ditch either so let me pray for you and then I'm gonna okay. let you go because we're going to our break so Heavenly yeah. father I, 
I thank you for uh, our caller here, Leslie. Lord, I thank you for her desire to connect with you. Lord, I pray that, uh, first of all, Lord, you would help her to not get burned out in that. And I also pray, Lord, that you would help her not to be a slave to the system. But, Lord, I pray that you would help her relationship with you to be driven, uh, not by a desire to perform either, but, Lord, truly just to know you, to connect with you, and to be used by you in the world. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help her to keep that desire pure and help her to find good ways to connect with you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Amen. Leslie. Thanks for calling Thank in. Thank you. All right. Yeah, bye-bye. you too. Thanks. Bye. All right, so we have come up on our mid-show break. You're listening to Calvary Live, and we will be back and take more calls right after this break. The number to call is 303-690-3000, or text us, 720-336-0897. We'll be right back after this two-minute break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life. If you have a prayer request, We would love to talk with you, answer those questions, and pray for you. We have one open line right now. The number to call is 303-690-3000, or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Kristen in, let me see where she's calling from real quick. Kristen in Santa Clara, California. Hi, Kristen. Welcome to the program. Hi, um, I have some friends that go to um, the Colorado Tech Extension and told me they listened to your show, so I wanted to check it out. <laughs> Great. So thank you. Um, awesome. I have a kind of a question, some advice for something that's going on in my life. Um, I have a, I've been in a relationship with my boyfriend for almost a year. Mm-hmm. Um, no trust issues in the past, but just the other day, um, we were out. Uh, actually with my family, with the group of us in um, the trunk of his car, my sister found a picture of him and another girl, which of course made me very upset. But um, he said it was an old picture and even ripped it up. And I thought this was great romantic gesture. (laughs) But then as my sister did some research, there was that she thought she saw a date on the picture that it was after my boyfriend and I got together. Um, but, of course, my boyfriend says it's not from after I got together. So I guess it's just a question about trust. And I know this is a—I'm trying to get a biblical perspective of what to do with somebody normally I would have no trust issues with, and all of a sudden something happened where I'm starting to have trust issues and just how to how to navigate, you know, mm. to get wisdom of what to do with, some, some, with a relationship where there were never trust issues, and now I feel like they're starting, and I know that could be— how to deal with trust issues and even other relationships in the past, just with friendships or whatever, dealing yeah. with trust issues. Have you struggled with that in the past? Um, honestly, yeah. Yeah, I remember I had a relationship, a friendship with a um, lady, I guess I'll just use her first name, named Cindy, when I was in college, and she was a mentor to me. She was probably, probably 15, 20 years older than me, almost like a second mom type person, and 
Sure, but you had trust issues yeah. with her. Yeah, I had yeah. no trust issues until one particular incident happened, and then it was like the relationship drastically changed. And I feel like once trust is broken, then I just can never trust the person again, which is I see. sad. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so the thing I always say about trust is uh is usually from the other side. It's usually from somebody who uh who wants somebody to trust them but then they don't. So uh you know, I think the the thing with trust as I always say is that you know, trust can be lost in a moment, but it takes time to gain it back. Um now, on the other hand, I think though that w- with your boyfriend you you need to make a decision as to whether or not uh, you do trust him, whether or not you're going to trust him, and whether he's given you any reason not to. Because here's the thing: is like maybe he's telling you the truth. Now, maybe maybe he's not, and maybe he is being, uh, you know, shady, doing some things, and um, yeah. and that wouldn't be good. But you know, I don't think you can do much more than just ask him straight up. Hey, you know, is there anything you need to tell me? Um, because yeah. this is important. What, and, and if he happened? says well, if he says, uh, no, I'm telling you everything, then I, I don't know if there's anything you can do beyond that. I know, because he's even getting all defensive, like, you could check my phone, you could check my email, blah, 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 which I don't think I'll really do that. But, I'm, but I will tell you that, this. Then... I will tell you this. That is a good sign. I, I'm much more concerned about people who, who are, um, you know, they will say, you know, I, I'm not doing this, but, they're, they're not open and honest, you know, like, uh, one of the things I, I always, I've always just always done this with my wife and I is that we, we just share all our passwords and we share everything because, you know, there is an incredible freedom that comes from having absolutely nothing to hide. Uh, you know, like Proverbs says that the, the, uh, righteous is like a young lion, right? They're, they're as bold as a young lion. They fear nothing, but the unrighteous, hmm. The wicked flees even when nobody's chasing him. And so, you know, you can always pick that out with people. You'll see them uh, when somebody, you know, always is looking over their shoulder. Well, there's usually a reason. And if somebody's super open and says, hey, I'm an open book and I have absolutely nothing to hide, that that's always a good thing. So so that's a good sign yeah. if that helps. Um, that's true. Yeah, that's Proverbs 28, verse 1. Okay. But, hey, let me, let me pray for you and... Uh, but I think that's, you know, I would just encourage you, seek the Lord on this one. Pray, ask God, you know, is is this something, or is this maybe an opportunity for you to learn to trust somebody? Yeah, because uh, yeah, like I said, I have had trust issues in the past with other boyfriends and friends and stuff, so it could just be my issue, you know? Yeah, and that's good to have that self-awareness. But, yeah, seek the seek the Lord about it. I, I don't know if there's anything that you can do, but besides right now deciding to trust him but i will say this is that um you know i think it would be wise to just keep this in mind uh for the future not that you're not that you're um holding this against him or anything it's just that you know if these things start to pile up then that might be uh, a red flag and i don't think there's anything unbiblical about using wisdom but for now i think that your your solution is going to have to be that it sounds like you've chosen to trust him, and I would encourage you to do that yeah. unless you have reason to otherwise. But uh, yeah, let me cause... let me well let me go ahead and pray for you because well, we have another caller. So um, Heavenly Father, I pray for Kristen. I, I thank you for her her heart to uh, to be self aware and to to really want to do right uh, 
by her boyfriend in this relationship. But also, Lord, I appreciate the fact that she wants to be wise. And um, so, Lord, would you help her to, to know? Would you give her uh, the gift of wisdom that she might, uh, she might know how to navigate this situation, especially with her uh, difficulties in the past with trusting people, but also, um, Lord, not wanting to be unwise about something that might be a red flag. Lord, we pray for her boyfriend, Lord, that he would he would know you, walk with you, and we pray that if this is uh, really, you know, as he claims it to be, is really nothing, Lord, we pray that they would be able to overcome this and be stronger on the other side. Um, and Lord, we, we just pray that, um, Lord, your will would be done in their relationship for your glory and for the good of them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God thank bless you, Kristen. You. Thanks for calling in. Well, thank you. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. Let's go to our next caller, which is Christina in Lakewood, Colorado. Hi, Christina. Welcome to the program. Hi. Um, I have a few questions that kind of lead into my topic. Okay. Um, I was in a relationship for a year, and we tried to serve God, and that was the goal. Um, but he was a new believer, and so we backslid, and it became an unequally yoked relationship. Mm-hmm. And it ended up us wanting different things, and me wanting to serve God and him not. And so uh, we broke up because of it. But okay. I do feel like I'm in love with him. Um and I broke up with him to be obedient and to do the walk that I want to do. And so I kind of wanted, like, advice on how, on what I should be doing to receive healing. Yeah. And, like, I've, I've just never been through a breakup. Mm. Um, and then I'm also wondering about soul ties. So okay. I used to be an alcoholic, and I slept with... I don't know, 20 plus men. So, um, on top of my ex now. And so I had a pastor tell me, and actually the guy who answers these calls, he wanted to know, uh, what church and it popped in my head. It's called, um, against the norm. So they're doing their church out of their house. Um, he told me that you, you kind of had to, have them cast out of you, the soul ties. Like, it can't just be something you pray for. And so I don't even really understand what a soul tie is. Like, I do, because my dad talks to me about it, but I don't. Um, And I don't want to, like, carry those soul ties. Yeah, so um, it seems like this idea of soul ties is something that's kind of popular in, like, charismatic churches. And so the idea talks about this idea that, like... um, Let's put it this way, like, well, let me let me try and give you a good example. Well, like what you're talking about, right? So having addictions and needing to be set free from these things that kind of um, leave an imprint on you, even after you've been forgiven of them. Um, now, I think on the one hand, there there's some validity to this idea that um, the things that happen to us, right, as soon as we get out of them, they don't stop having an effect on us, right? So things that... Uh, have happened to us in the past can really affect us for a long time. Um, but I, I don't know if um, the idea of kind of a mystical binding to the actual soul um, 
you know, or or needing to be set free from some kind of demonic oppression is something that I see in the Bible. One of one of the only um, one of the only real verses that people use in this uh, context is this idea of the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And, uh, and that's really not saying that there was a soul tie, so to say, between them. What it means is that they had, it's a, it's a way of expressing that there was a deep committed friendship. Uh, you know, there's another one where it talks about um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 6, talks about uh, how one who unites himself with a prostitute, uh, the two become one flesh. But again, that's again still speaking of the flesh, not about the soul being joined somehow. And so... Um, I don't know if that answers your question about soul ties. To me, soul ties, that, that's just not something that seems very biblical. But I think the one thing that, that maybe we take away from it that's really good is to say, yes, you're right. You know, the things that you've been through in the past uh, do affect you still, even after you've repented of them and come out of them and, and turned away from them. So that's important to recognize. Now, as far as uh, this boyfriend you had, I just want to say, hey, I think you, d you did the right thing. I just want to encourage you in that by uh, saying I think you did the right thing by by breaking up with him, even though you you know as you said you cared very much for him. Because what I've seen is that um, well yeah okay so what I've seen is that you know people will say hey I'm in love with this person and it seems that God wants us to break up uh, and why would God want us to do that why can't we just love each other and the reason is because you know that idea of being unequally yoked that's a picture. A word picture really is describing, you know, oxen. Oxen would be yoked together, right? They'd put a yoke mm -hmm. on them. And what that would do is it would be a piece of wood that would join two oxen together for a purpose. And that purpose wasn't just so they could like hang out together. The purpose was so they could pull a plow together and they could do work. And so really that's that, that picture of, you know, that yoke, just that one word carries so much with it right it communicates so much and what it, here's what it communicates it says that the purpose of a marriage or the purpose of a union between two people is that you are being tied together not just for the sake of having fun and having a nice time together no mm -hmm. purely uh, well specifically for the sake of pulling a plow together in other words doing work and what work would it be well god's given us his mission right in christ we have been sent out on a mission so let's say you as a Christian person have been given a mission by God to do his uh, work in the world and carry out Jesus's uh, commission, right? To take the good news uh, into the world, to be a fisher of men. And, and so think about this, anybody you join yourself to, the question is, are they, are they also on that mission or are they someone of a different form, right? So that, you know, maybe, you know, you wouldn't put an ox with a donkey. And the reason you wouldn't is because that wooden yoke is made not for those two animals of different size. And what that means is that they'll both be hurt in the process and they won't pull that plow the way that they're called to. And so that's a really important thing for people to understand that the whole idea of being unequally yoked or, or the importance of being equally yoked is number one it's for your good and and secondly it's because as a christian you're called to be a person on a mission and uh and anybody you join yourself to that that needs to be a factor in it i think it's it's good to address the fact and, and recognize the fact that we can have feelings for people who we shouldn't necessarily be engaged with in a romantic or especially a marital relationship right and so 
The other yeah. reason for that is that feelings change. Uh, they do change over time. As somebody who's been married for 14 years, now I'll say I love my wife very much and that doesn't change and, and I do absolutely have feelings for her, but I can understand where people are coming from who say, uh, you know, you know, I was I was head over heels infatuated with this person emotionally and now here we are 10 years later, 20 years later and, um, you know, they've changed as a person and I've changed and I'm just not as interested in them as I was. That absolutely happens. And uh, and it's in a way it's kind of normal because, you know, you think about it, major life decisions change who people are, right? So major life experiences and those things, we go through those things in our lives all the time. So just even the fact of getting married, that's a major life change. That changes a person. So literally the person you marry is not the same person that you uh, were engaged to or the person you were dating. These things change us. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, several other things. If you have children, that changes people. And my point is this, that though you may have an infatuation or a, a care for someone now, that cannot be the basis of a, a relationship, especially for a Christian. So we, we, uh, we choose based on the long haul and based on the fact that we are called to be on a mission. So I just want to encourage you in that. And you asked, what can you do to help you stay strong in that decision? A few things that I would recommend. I'd really recommend you get plugged into fellowship at a, at a church. And it sounds like you have some connections at a church. I just encourage you, get involved in a church. Whatever church it is, I just want to say, make sure it's a church that teaches the Bible. Uh, and, and our producer, if you're interested in recommendations, our producer can give you some recommendations after you get off the phone with me if you want to hang on the line. But, um, you know, get in a church to really teach the Bible and a church where, they, um, where they're going to really encourage you to walk with the Lord in a way that's really healthy. And yeah, so, I go to um, Red Rocks Church, and okay. I really love it there. Um, yeah. This other church I was invited to, he was like a, a guest speaker, and so that's... Um, that's who told me that I had to have like my soul ties um, cast out, and I've never heard that before. Yeah, I um, wouldn't put too much stock in that. But um, sometimes it doesn't feel like enough. Like I go to church on Sunday, and then I go to young adults on Thursdays, and then I have a life group at my house on Mondays, and so I'm definitely plugged in. Mm -hmm. But I still feel um, that like that empty, that empty void. Like mm. I still feel like it's not enough. Okay. Um, and maybe it's because I'm lacking in my word. Um, I don't want to put wanna, that on you, but I don't want to turn back to like alcohol, and I don't want to. I don't know how to deal with the pain. Like, I I, is it just like a time thing, or? Um, like, I don't know what I'm, if what I'm doing is the right steps. I see. No. So first of all, I think your involvement in your church is, is a great step. I think that's really good. It does sound like you're really plugged in. I guess I would ask you two questions. Well, maybe it's just one question. Do you have any, um, do you have Christian friends that that's, I mean, cause it's possible to have life groups and community groups and all these things. Now the, the goal of those is to help you build some real friendships and that will be you know people you can be encouraged by and and on a really personal basis i would encourage you to seek out christian friends in that way and have those strong christian friendships 
Um, the other thing, yeah, I do think that there's an aspect of it that, that is time, right? Like, so time will heal some of those things. But ultimately, you know, uh, what you're seeking, like in alcohol, right, to help you deal with the pain mm -hmm. uh, is ultimately going to be found in Jesus, you know, and you you remember the woman at the well in John chapter yeah. four, right? And, you know, she'd been married five times. She's living with a guy she's not married to. And Jesus says, hey, look, you're seeking something which can only be found in me. And uh, and that would be my encouragement for you is that really, uh, you know, what you're seeking, that the sense of relief from uh, the hardship of this world, it is truly found in Jesus. So I encourage you to keep pressing into him. But also okay. have, have some Christian friends. Yeah, I, I actually do. Now I do. I nev Good. I've never had Christian friends, and it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, praise um, the Lord. That's cool. One thing with my Christian friends, and I don't judge, it's just something that I don't um, have peace with, is I get invited to like go to the Stampede. It's like the Grizzly Rose. Okay. Um, so is stuff like that, like, okay, because I like going to small bars. I'll just mm -hmm. out, flat out admit that. I like going and having a few drinks and getting a bite to eat. Um, but when I go to, like, clubs like that, I feel, like, convicted. And so is that being a part of the world? Like, Well, I would um, say, I would say this. Um, it seems to me to be an unwise thing. Like, there's got to be some, some other place for you to hang out. Uh, mm -hmm. other than a place that has alcohol. And I understand it's fun to, to go hang out there, and I, I definitely don't want to take away from that. My my point would just be, I don't think it's wise for you with your, your past and alcoholism to be going yeah. to a bar at all. Like I, I would say, now I'm not saying that nobody should ever go to a bar if they're a Christian, but I would say that for you, I really would recommend that you don't. Uh, go go do something else for fun, and, uh, and maybe... You know, I also think that if your friends know that about you, which maybe they don't, but if they know that about you, uh, mm -hmm. they, they should be sensitive to that. I mean, I, I know that I have friends who have struggled with that in the past, and you know what? Uh, I just want to make sure that, you know, even the people I'm around, if they may not know that this person struggled with that, I just don't even want that to be part of the equation because I just know how how destructive that can be if you fall back into that, and I, I, I don't want that for you. Uh, so Okay. Yeah, well, let me pray for you, and then I'll let you go. But, hey, thanks for the call. And, uh, hey, I think you're you're doing the right things. But let me pray for God to um, to bring that healing into your life that you desire. So, Heavenly Father, I, I pray for Christina. I thank you for what you're doing in her life. I thank you, Lord, for her conviction that she wants to follow you, and she wants to, she wants to serve you and be on mission with you. I just ask that, Lord, you'd strengthen her, especially with these temptations she faces to uh, to slip back into alcoholism. Um Lord, I pray that you really would strengthen her. Give her strong Christian friends who know her and, uh, and who, who really uh, are able to, to say, hey, Christina, let's go do something else that, that won't cause you to be tempted or to stumble. Um, Lord, I pray that really you'd surround her with people who edify her and build her up in her faith and with whom she can share her, her uh, struggles as well and who will encourage her. And so, Lord, thank you that uh, she's so involved in her church. I pray that through those relationships, Lord, that she would really grow. So, Lord, I pray that you'd bless her, cause her to grow, be rooted and grounded in you, as your word says. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, God bless you. Thanks for calling in.
Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church taking your calls and texts on the air today. We have open lines and we have six minutes left in the show. So we can probably take one more caller if there's anyone out there who would like to call in before the end of today's show. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Before we go over to our text line, just let me take the opportunity to invite those of you who are listening. If you're in Longmont uh, or in the Longmont area, or if you have friends and family in this area, we'd love it if you would uh, come visit us and worship with us at Whitefields Community Church here in Longmont. That's the church that I pastor. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. in downtown Longmont, just one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue, right on the northwest corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman at the St. Vrain Memorial Building, which is at 700 Longs Peak Avenue. You can find directions as well as listen to all our past messages uh, on our website, which is whitefieldschurch.com. So that's whitefieldschurch.com. And uh, you can also find us on social media. So we're on Instagram, Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're, we're on YouTube. Check us out. Just uh, type in the search bar of any of those, Whitefields Community Church, and we'll come right up and you can check us out. And uh, we'd love to have you come worship with us and visit us. We have a great children's ministry and great worship ministry. Uh, we're building a great youth ministry right now, and we uh, are studying through the prophets. So this coming Sunday, we will be in um, in the book of Habakkuk, which I'm really excited about. And... Uh, you know, one thing we could talk about before we go to this is that I, I have a blog that I write, um, and you know, it's it's something that I've just done for fun because I like to connect with culture and answer a lot of the kind of questions like uh, many of you ask on this show. So uh, you can check it out if you're interested. It's nickkady.org. That's N-I-C-K-C-A-D-Y.org. And today I was writing about Martin Luther King Jr. because today, unless you're hearing this show on a one-week delay, but today is Martin Luther King Jr. Day here in the U.S. And so, uh, you know, as many of you might know, Martin Luther King Jr. was an ordained Baptist pastor. And uh, he, he, I uh, posted on my blog today a few things that he said about the gospel. So let me read you some of those. Uh, and some of these are taken from a letter that he wrote. Uh, it's called Letter from a Birmingham Jail. And he actually wrote this to fellow pastors about what it means to uh, be a Christian and deal with a lot of the cultural issues of our day. So here, here's some of the things that he said. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. said, The end of life is not to be happy, nor to achieve pleasure and avoid pain, but to do the will of God, whatever may come. I think that's so courageous and so encouraging. Uh, here's another one. He said, uh, The early Christians rejoiced when they were deemed worthy to suffer for what they believed. In those days, the church was not merely a thermometer that recorded the ideas and principles of popular opinion, but it was a thermostat that changed the mores of society. Here's another really challenging one. He said, "You know, Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. He said, If any earthly institution or custom conflicts with God's will, it is our Christian duty to oppose it. So very, uh, very challenging things that he said. Here's another one he said. He said, there's so much frustration in the world today because we rely on gods, you know, as little g gods, rather than on God. We have worshipped the God of pleasure only to discover that thrills play out and sensations are short-lived. So this is good words from uh, the doctor, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., uh, for your Martin Luther King Jr. Day today. We've got a couple minutes left in the show. I would like to take one more question here on the 
text line. Uh, someone asks, when Jesus brought Lazarus back from the dead, where did Lazarus go? Was he in paradise or was he with the Father? Here's uh, and, and related to that, they ask, what are my thoughts on soul sleep, uh, this concept? So I'll tell you, where was Lazarus? A good good explanation for us to know where Lazarus was, was to go to the Gospel of Luke, where we read about the story of another man, also named Lazarus, different Lazarus, not the same one, but he's a man who died, and Jesus told the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And what he tells about in this story, this is in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31, what he tells about in this story is that there was a, a rich man uh, who died, who, who obviously didn't walk with the Lord, and then there was this guy named Lazarus who was poor, who was a beggar, and he did walk with the Lord. And when they die, things are really flipped around. But what he describes is that they go to a place called Sheol, which is something we see throughout the Old Testament. And Sheol basically is a Jewish understanding of the place where all dead people go. So whether you're good, bad, whether you have faith, no faith, you go to Sheol. Now Sheol, it describes for us here in Luke 16, as Jesus is telling us, that it's divided into two places, two parts, right? So there's a part that's just called Hades, where there's a place of torment. And then there's another part called Abraham's bosom, which was a place where those who died in faith waited for the redemption that would come through the Messiah. And so we know basically what happened is that when Jesus died, he emptied that part, uh, the Abraham's bosom, and brought them to God. The other part, Hades, we read in Revelation, will be emptied into the lake of fire at the end of all things. So where was Lazarus? He was in Abraham's bosom. You've been listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church. It's been a pleasure taking your calls and texts on the air today. Join us every weekday at 4 p.m. Mountain Time for Calvary Live. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.